Hello and welcome to the Speech for Success podcast with me, Rachel Kidd, a podcast that works on the basis that better communication can create a better life. In this podcast, I'll be talking to a whole range of communication experts, from psychologists, image consultants, business leaders, to speech and language therapists and team managers. We'll be finding out about their work and sharing tips that you can take with you into your staff room, boardroom, friendships or just life. For this week's show, we are focusing on mind over matter and the importance of a healthy mindset when we want to live a healthier life. Over the last year with COVID, there has been a lot of emphasis on restrictions. The challenges to having a healthy mindset have probably never been greater. And that's why I'm delighted this week to be joined by Brigitte Ron, a renowned clinical hypnotherapist based in London. She's here today as part of our International Expert Forum to talk about her work as a clinical hypnotherapist and to give advice. Brigitte Ron, you are very welcome to the podcast. How are you? Oh, I'm very good. Thank you very much. And thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here and having this conversation with you, Rachel. Brilliant. Well, we're delighted to have you, Brigitte. I suppose, like I said in the intro, the whole world has probably never faced so much uncertainty as it has in the recent months with the COVID pandemic. And, you know, even though the vaccines being rolled out and the restrictions are being lifted, um, I suppose it can still feel like we're treading pretty carefully you know with the delta variant and everything so for you Brigitte as um as a clinical hypnotherapist working with clients what challenges do you feel clients are encountering now or have encountered as we come out of COVID and 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 as as the restrictions lift what toll has it had on people's mental health I think that's a really good question because it's almost like we've had a double whammy. So first we were thrown into this really uncertain space mm-hmm. that we had never experienced before and there was no expiry date to it really. I mean, it was just never ending. And for many of us, that was terrifying, right? Because we used to be our own agents and do what we want to do. Um, and this uncertainty in particular made us feel really anxious and trapped. So, you you know, families were thrown together 24-7 with homeschooling and whatnot. And single household uh, or households, they were very isolated. So this never-ending sense of not really knowing where we stood was, was very bad for most people. And we'd left life as we knew it behind Um And at the same time, there was no rule book to guide us through it and what was going to come next. So many people internalized anxiety um, and that uncertainty that presented them with that, you know, they didn't know what to do with it. So a lot of my Zoom sessions in the early days with clients, because that was the only way I could see them, Mm. was very much how do I stay in the here and now and how do I not catastrophize by seeing the worst case scenario you know what's going to happen with my job how am I going to cope uh, all of that stuff that we tend to do as human beings you know we tend to look ahead so it was about helping people to focus on the sometimes just in the next 24 hours you know what could I do in the next even half a day that would make me feel like I had some sort of control so that could be down to just structuring a day going for a walk or having a coffee and doing something that we enjoyed but so that we felt like we had some sort of agency. Um, and I think also the, the guidelines that was there, you know, we had, to, we had to wear a mask, we couldn't leave the house, we had to see a certain amount of people, we couldn't travel. All of that, it was sort of helpful in the end because it gave us that much-needed structure and clarity and order yeah. that we, as human beings, we need that, right? Because yeah. we need to know what we're doing. Um, 
but everything shrunk. So our lives became home-based and we couldn't socialize. So we, we got smaller lives and simpler lives. So mm-hmm. when, you know, towards the end of this, when, when lockdown was being lifted, you know, a lot of my anxious clients found this incredibly um, scary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially those that had sort of slight social anxiety or performance anxiety, mm-hmm. because they had had that reason you know that legitimate reason to be to not having to engage with people absolutely Um, you know they were allowed to stay in their safe bubble and and they had the permission now the whole world to do that so when it ended uh it was very bad um and they were out of practice seeing people face to face and it just created a huge sense of anxiety and panic so it was it was sort of a, a mixed bag yeah um but I would say that overall, you know, it was such an unnormal situation. And I think that's worth remembering that, you know, what we tend to do as people, we tend to add pressure on ourselves to either, you know, how did I deal with the lockdown? Or I dealt really badly with it or I wasn't really good with it, you know, mm-hmm. whereas none of us had any practice of this. So I think, you know, part of it is being self-compassionate and understanding we all did as good as we could. We did uh, as good as we could. Yeah, I think we did. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think I think that's such a massive, massively important point to make, because there were people like you said, there was I good at lockdown or was I bad at lockdown? And if we're going to put uh-huh. good in inverted commas, maybe the good people were on Instagram, like renovating their whole house and cleaning everything from top to bottom and and being super productive and uh, I think that was a lot of us during that first lockdown and then you know some of us like you said we're getting a coffee and just going for a walk and trying to just put put structure on the day as much as possible and sometimes it wasn't madly productive um but um I think I think that's it's not a pass fail situation basically that's right, because it's it's all okay. It was all okay. However, you got through it. Brilliant, right? You got through it. Yeah. Um, I think that is 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 how we have to end that because there, you know, we're all different and we all do different things in different situations. But I think overall, we I think we handled it as, as well as we could have. And and yeah. for sure, there's some leftover things that I see now in clinic. But I would say that whatever people were struggling with anyway just became bigger in lockdown. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like it was like a magnifying glass as to some of the triggers you might have that before you used being busy to cover up or you used uh, you work to cover up. Now you couldn't do that. So it sort of highlighted what people already were struggling with. Okay. That's really interesting, mm-hmm. yeah, that you don't have the distraction of – going off in your car or meeting this person or staying busy mm-hmm. that the the in general you're fine that the clinic the the lockdown put a big magnifying glass up on top of whatever was already going on for people yeah that's right absolutely and just when you mention your clinic there um Brigitte like you are a, a clinical hypnotherapist and there could be listeners who are kind of wondering a clinical hypnotherapy all right and they might be thinking of you know a magician or that very old school (laughs) hypnotherapy but what exactly does a clinical hypnotherapist do how do you help your clients well I think hypnotherapy is one of those or hypno in general is one of those words that conjure up these images about 
uh, and maybe that's due to Hollywood films, I don't know, but mm-hmm. that you will get into this weird state and that you will do things against your will. Uh, and all of that, none of that could be fur- I mean, further from the truth because it's the opposite of what we do. So that is all entertainment and stage hypnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, general hypnosis is a naturally occurring, relaxed state that we all experience on a daily basis almost. So mm-hmm. it's like daydreaming or sitting on the bus and, and you nod off and you haven't really figured out how you got from your one stop to the next stop because you've been in your thoughts and that is really hypnosis so you are fully aware of your surroundings you can open your eyes if you want and speak and move you remain in control Um, and the good thing to know is that no one can be hypnotized against their will so there's no one can do anything to you unless you are prepared and willing for it to happen so that's the first thing and um, hypnotherapy then is a method where you use talk therapy, and in my case, solution-focused brief therapy, which is this wonderful type of psychotherapy that is more concerned about finding uh, the client's best hope for coming to therapy. So, you know, how would you know that things got better? What would be the first signs that your life felt easier to live? And, And so it's very much a let's not focus too much about what has been bad in the past because you can't change that but we are very focused on what you want to achieve going forward. And then mixed a little bit with NLP and CBT techniques and starting to visualize and imagine what an ordinary life, your ordinary life could be like in the absence of your problems. You know, what would happen if this anxiety that you've been carrying was less, you know, if it reduced, what then, what would you do? And many of us, we don't spend time thinking about, what it is that we want and what it is that we would like. We are just very focused on what's not working. Um, So, and then after we've had the the chat, we go into hypnosis, which is that very deeply relaxed state where I, the hypnotherapist can suggest ideas and concepts and lifestyle changes that you may have given me as a client Um, And so and these seeds can then become firmly planted in the mind. And then we progress by reprogramming the subconscious mind, because that is where all of these beliefs sit. It's almost like you have this software that's running in the background on low level. Right. So we're not aware of it. But if we have a belief system that says that we're not clever or that we're ugly, or you know, anything that happened based on a comment someone probably said when you were very young, mm-hmm. that can stay with us and color our entire life and how we do things. So that's a difficult thing to get rid of in your day-to-day life because your conscious mind is so busy with just doing stuff. So instead, what we're doing is we accessing that subconscious mind in hypnosis in that very relaxed state. Yeah. Um, so, so it's a very relaxing, gentle way, and it is becoming more and more um, acknowledged as well. Um, you know, we're part of the Nice uh, recommendation for IBS, for example. And oh, great. yeah, so it's it's starting to lose the status of it's being very alternative, and it's actually starting to become part of uh, general treatment for certain conditions, which is great. Brilliant, brilliant, so, yeah. part of the part of the road to recovery. Um, yes. And it's interesting as well that it's it's being recommended in the road to recovery for something like IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, which mm. usually, I, from my understanding, has always been seen as you know a, a very medical gastro 
kind of illness but to be to acknowledge the role of the subconscious mind and the power of thoughts and beliefs on the body um all that psychosomatic illness um is is a huge step forward for um hypnotherapy yeah absolutely no for sure it's uh you know that whole thing about the gut and the brain and the link between the two yes. and 90% of our serotonin is created in the gut so if the if the gut is not working the mind's not working if the mind's not working the gut's not going to be good so it is very linked we are a holistic being as you know we are yeah. mm-hmm. definitely yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's brilliant and I like the way as well you're you're ta- you're taking that you're using the principles of solution focused brief mm. therapy and getting very tangible with people about what would a good day for you look like what would you see what would you notice um I would imagine it can that could be a very uh unusual question for somebody who's in the depths of anxiety maybe to hear Yes, because they they come thinking that they're going to be talking a lot about their problems. Mm. Um, And even though it's not a problem focused therapy per se, but it's still very much understanding the brain and knowing that the more we think about something, the more we engage in something, the more we're going to feel it. So Mm. although it's good and useful to know what is not working, what we want to try to do is to figure out what your life could be like without it. And trying to like you say embody that what does it really feel like if I could wake up in the morning and actually feel like my anxiety is has increased has has mm-hmm. decreased so I'm feeling better I'm feeling like I have more energy and I I feel a bit braver maybe I could make that phone call that I have been you know putting off because I felt nervous so there's a lot of very you know these small shifts can can lead to big changes in someone's life just mm. because they feel different they feel more confident more capable um so it's quite a positive uh journey to to work with a client on because all of a sudden they're starting to become clearer and clearer what good looks like for them yeah and and they may not have known that before yeah yeah i think it's a really I, I, I think it's a really important part of healthcare and, and caring for clients is, yes, acknowledging the problem, but then saying, well, what, what would you like instead? And what could we think about doing more of? It, I, it's, it's really powerful and it, and it sounds it sounds really good. Um, and you were talking there, Brigitte, as well, in particular about um, a lot of your clients who have anxiety and who are anxious and maybe coped pretty well with like you said the very strict rules about 5k from home or you know you must wear a mask and all of that um so and people the word anxiety gets thrown around a lot like oh I'm anxious I feel anxious and I have anxiety but like for someone with a clinical background like yourself what is anxiety and how can we spot it in people and help them uh, great question again. So I think the easiest way to say is anxiety can be thought of uh, as misusing your imagination. Okay. So we all have like a film screen in our heads uh, or a TV channel, whatever you want to see it as. And most of us uh, are playing pretty horrible things on that screen. Um, if we understood that anxiety you know, what's the purpose of it, right? The purpose of it is really a survival mechanism. And it was developed thousands of years ago when we had very different lives. And it's really like a messenger that's alerting us that something is wrong. And it's doing that so that we can survive as a species, right? Mm -hmm. But today we don't live like that. And 
the things that we experience are not life-threatening, but it still triggers us. Uh, so anxiety can really be used and seen and reframed as a warning sign that something isn't right. And it could be that we notice that in someone's tone of voice. Uh, this, so this is not like life and death. This is like normal, uh, regular stuff that we encounter at work or at home. So harsh words or the dark, perhaps, or going to the dentist or driving on a motorway. It could be all kinds of things. Um, and what it is that what we think is that it's the thing itself that makes us anxious. So being on the motorway or being afraid of the dark or being worried about confrontation or, or feeling triggered by something. But often it's just the thoughts that we have, the, the emotional charge we give something. So, you know, for someone growing up in a, I don't know, Spanish family where they shout a lot and, and, and yeah. that is normal, right? So for them, that would not be a trigger for anxiety. Now, if you grow up in a household where it was very quiet and where people didn't show that, then a, a harsh voice can be very triggering. So mm -hmm. it's what we imbue the, the situation with, the meaning of it, not the thing itself. And, you know, we are risk averse as human beings. Uh, and so if we have experienced something that has been scary in the past. So again, going back to when we were kids, uh, let's say we stood up in school and we were going to do a reading and we got quite nervous and we forgot what we were going to say and everybody laughed and the teacher uh, berated us afterwards and you know that will stay with us that humiliation that that shame is going to be so detrimental that it will make an imprint and from that day we are going to do whatever we can so that we don't ever feel that way again so we mm -hmm. develop all these coping strategies that protects us from feeling that way so maybe we don't do public speaking. Maybe we don't talk at friends' wedding, or maybe we don't. Um, maybe we don't. We don't become the life and soul of our social group, right? We we mm -hmm. we make choices, and our life change according to these coping strategies. So, anxiety-related issues are probably the most common things that I see in my clinic. And it is one of the biggest things that people experience. And there's loads of referrals, you know, to psychologists and psychiatrists and doctors based on anxiety related illnesses, but it's not anything to do with a personal flaw or a character weakness at all. It's, it is just what we give meaning to in our thoughts so we decide that something is scary because perhaps it reminds us of something or perhaps the circumstances at the time made it frightening for us and and ever since then things that remind us of that is going to be anxiety uh, ridden for us and we can start to spot if we get anxious so it's a very gradual process so maybe you notice that you're feeling less social or you were drawn from your friends and maybe you feel just more uneasy um, or snappy, irritated, more than usual. Mm -hmm. Or maybe your sleep uh, is affected. Uh, you might struggle to go to sleep, or maybe you wake up in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. um, and this can gradually lead to more obsessive thoughts about the thing that we are anxious about. Or we can get palpitations and shortness of breath and yeah. dizziness and nausea and all of these things. So it can begin quite benign, but it's worth noticing when we are starting to change our social habits, because that could be a sign, um, um, you know, that we are, that we are thinking and overthinking something and that we're becoming slightly anxious. Yeah. And I think that's, they're very tangible things to, 
that people can look out for within themselves and and within family as well um mm. becoming unusually snappy or sleep changing or even shortness of breath because I know it myself like sometimes I'd be like I'd be short of breath and it's it's only the shortness of breath that I'm like oh god geez I must actually be more stressed than I realized you know mm. because my my I'm I have to kind of put in an effort to get a a deep breath going um and it's only those sorts of signs that I'm like right I actually am more stressed than I thought um so that's really really great and it goes back again what you're saying it's not a character weakness it's not this fundamental flaw it's like it goes back to that thing about the software and the wiring um Mm. around in the subconscious mind the value we've put on something um you know it it, it goes back to the software and software um and rewiring it and everything so so that's um super and Birgitta really really helpful um and I know it's it's not a clinical setting here and we're not dealing with individual people but when we're in general, um, if somebody's listening and they kind of feel like, yeah, I am having a bit of trouble sleeping and or I want to have a chat with somebody who I feel might be experiencing anxiety or not their usual selves. Are there any tools that you generally recommend that help people to take better control of their lives and start tackling anxious thoughts? Yeah, I think the 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 the, the quickest and most effective tool uh, is breathing, the, the doing right. breath work. So, um, I mean, the breath unites the mind and the body. It, it 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 is the instrument that we can use to hack our biology. So, if we are feeling that we are anxious, if we're feeling we are becoming overwhelmed by a situation, you controlling your breathing can absolutely make the change from stress to rest. Okay. So that is a really important point. And there's a couple of ways that I uh, tell my clients what to do in terms of breathing. And the, I don't know if you heard of box breathing. Have you heard of that term? No, no. So it's used by the Navy SEALs uh, when they go on missions where they have to be very calm and not be overwhelmed by the situation. It's very simple. It's to imagine a square in your mind. And then you're just following each side. So you breathe in through your nose and you count to four. And then you hold your breath uh, and count to four. You breathe out through your mouth for four. And then you hold your breath for four. And then you do that, follow that box shape, that square shape. And you can set your timer on on your phone for about two minutes Mm -hmm. and just go somewhere. Even if you're at work, you can just snip into the loo and do the breathing, or you can uh, do it at home in the morning. If you feel like you've got a big day ahead of you, or if there's a meeting that's stressing you out, that is a really good tool um, to just, yeah. And there's another one as well called 7-Eleven, where you breathe in through your nose and count to seven, and then you exhale through your mouth and count to 11. So you're making the out breath longer. And again, that is a real signal to your central nervous system that decides whether you are under threat or whether you are at rest. So those two, I would highly recommend. And and you can set a little reminder uh, in day where you say, "Okay, don't forget to breathe. And then you can just take yourself away for a minute or two. And uh, and it sort of resets your system. Um, Another thing is to change the scenery. If you're somewhere feeling overwhelmed, if something has been triggering you, even just the, the small act of getting out of your house and going down to the 
shop and buying a pint of milk or, or, or a mm-hmm. coffee or something and just making some basic small talk can really reset your system as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that we underestimate. Just it can take minutes and we can completely change the, the way we view a situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another thing that I do a lot of uh, in clinics particularly is the mental rehearsal. And, and that is really using your mind, that little TV screen that we talked about to rehearse how you would like things to be. So using the imagination. So for example, um, you know, you could have thought about it during the lockdown, you know, you can think, okay, this is the end of 2021. Uh, I'm feeling and thinking and acting like this best version of myself. And what would that look like? What would I like it to be like? What do I want to look back and think what I, how I've been? And then we can start to think about okay, I would have, you know, tried to incorporate better food or I would have done more breathing exercises I could do, you know, and then we start to create a much more positive picture of what we have in life already, what we would like to feel like when we wake up in the morning and when we go to bed and we're actually rehearsing it and the brain doesn't really know the difference between what's real and what's imagined. So if you are spending time rehearsing and thinking about how you'd like to feel, then it's going to think that that's what's going on and produce the relevant happy hormones, right? Because that's mm-hmm. going to make you feel good mm-hmm. versus what we normally do is that we rehearse and catastrophize about everything that could go wrong. Mm-hmm. And the brain, again, thinks that that's the situation. So it produces all the stress hormones. So you can actually hack it yourself you can use methods that overrides your normal behavior pattern so it's good to feel like we are a little bit more in control than we think we are that we can do things um another thing that i i I absolutely always advocate journaling writing down things Mm -hmm. that you think you've done well in the day or are grateful for um, any sort of mindfulness meditation Mm -hmm. uh, hypnosis again it's sounds very Oh, everyone says that, but it, yeah. they all say it because it works, right? Brilliant. So, yeah, that's, that's that would be my top tips. Super. There are six fantastic tips there, Brigitte. And what I'm noticing from it, the common pattern across the board is you can get change in two minutes, like box breathing yeah. for two minutes, 7-Eleven for two minutes, just changing the scenery, getting off your desk and changing the scene, um, mental rehearsal, journaling. Um, and, and the common theme as well is we have control over these thoughts. Like you said, they're a TV screen. We can hit pause. We can put on a different movie in our heads and um and it has a literally a, a physiological impact on the body like it, it affects what hormones get released or don't get released and then it affects what we notice and what, what we act on so I think they are super tangible tips for listeners Brigitte um thank you very much um what and it Oh, I just I could listen to you all day, like because when, <laughs> when you're you. talking to a real expert, you you just ask them and listen, and <laughs> it's just it's just excellent. Um, so Brigitte, for for people who are listening that maybe want to get in touch with you, want to make an appointment, how can people contact you? Well, I mean, I have my website brigitteron.com, and I'm on Instagram and Facebook as Brigitte Hypnotherapy. Um, and that's probably the best way to get in contact with me. I offer um, a free phone chat 
when people ring me because sometimes they don't really know if hypnotherapy is what they want or if it's suitable. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of good to have a little chat first to see whether we're right for each other. So, yeah. So, so that's, that's how you get in touch with me, Facebook, Instagram, or my website. Brilliant. Brigitte, that is um, so helpful. And thank you very much for joining us on Speech for Success. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been really, really enjoyable. Thank you, Rachel. Thanks, Brigitte.